Hey friends, what's going on? You are now listening to the TMJ show, the MD journey show, an entire podcast dedicated to helping students just like you succeed on their medical journey, but doing it with less stress. My name is Lux from an internal medicine physician. I have the pleasure of being your humble host to help you on your medical journey. Let's get started with today's episode. Now, before we get into today's episode, if you're on your medical journey and looking for that all-in-one resource, then we need to give a huge shout out to our sponsor of today's episode, Picmonic, that can help you both learn and help retain information for the long term. With our library of countless videos on literally any topic that combine both creative stories and images to help you learn information for the long term, as well as advanced quizzing and space repetition tools, Picmonic is absolutely perfect for any student on their medical journey. If you're interested in learning more and want to see how Picmonic can help you on your journey, There'll be a link down below, and if you use the coupon code, the MD Journey, then they have included a sweet discount for our members. Going through USMLE Step 1 questions can be very overwhelming and stressful, but today we're going to talk about a three-step process that you can use to effectively answer your questions with confidence. And make sure you stay tuned to the very end of the episode because we'll be talking about some advanced tips that you can use to effectively get through a block, even if you're struggling, to make sure you get the highest score on Step 1 and pass with confidence. Let's get into it. So to illustrate the three-step process, I'm just going to go ahead and do a sample block of step one questions. Now, this is the free NBME 120. If you just Google it, you can essentially come up with 120 questions that the NBMEs will give you for free if you just want to test yourself towards the end. But here is the very simple three-step process to get through any step one question. And typically, a student will read this and they'll go ahead and start highlighting and eventually they'll get to the question. They'll look at the answer choices and they become overwhelmed because they're like not really confident after reading that. And they'll go through all of this again and it wastes time and causes anxiety. So on the flip side, what I recommend doing is taking a three-step process where number one is you look at the question, number two, you look at your answer choices, and then number three, you finally go back to the stem. So let me show you an example of what this would look like for this particular question. So step one, we have to look at the question. So this one's saying examination of the kidney at autopsy will look and show which of the following. So perfect. I already know I'm thinking about what condition does this patient have and what would it look like if I'd actually looked at their kidneys. Now to avoid my mind going through all the options, I'm going to just see, okay, acute inflammation, a normal kidney, granulation, fibrinous exudate. And after going through these answer choices and having some foundation in renal pathology, you can say, okay, perfect. Let me see what type of conditions may be associated with granulation or acute inflammation or our normal kidney. So now we get into step three and look for specific pieces of evidence that may answer each individual answer choice. Now, usually a typical student would still start at the first line. But one advanced thing I like to do is to read the line before the question. So if this was our question, I would usually read this. So it says four weeks ago, his oligary responded, resolved, and his creatinine returned to normal. In my head, I already know that this patient has a condition that improved. And now I'm going to essentially be asking what kind of conditions look like that. So we have a 40-year-old gentleman who looks like he had a cardiac arrest and he had oligaric renal failure. Five weeks ago, his creatinine was really high, but now we know it's improved. Oh, and look, they give you a urine study of granular cast. I already know based off the answer choices that this person likely had an ATN from having a cardiac arrest. And because I read the last line that everything looks normal, I expect him to have a normal kidney. And sure enough, that's the answer. Now I'll show you a few more examples just so you can start to appreciate the speed and the efficiency that this occurs, but I do want to share why this is so effective. If you think about the person who's making the test, they want to come up with an answer, but they also want to give you a bunch of little traps within the question stem to trick you. And this is often why we end up with 50-50 questions and never feel confident on step one exams. But now when we flip our approach using this three-step process where number one, we go to the question, number two, we actually look at the answer choices, and finally number three, we go to the question stem and look for the evidence. You're starting to think more like the test maker and less like the test taker, and thus we'll be less likely to fall into those traps they created for. 
for you. So let's go ahead and do another example. So here, instead of reading, I'm just going to go jump right into the question. We're asking about most likely diagnosis. And I already start to see just from my peripherals that this is going to be a pulmonary related question because I see like FEV1 and FVC ratios. My choices are asthma, bronchiectasis, cystic fibrosis, emphysema, pulmonary fibrosis. In my mind, I'm already thinking about what do I know about each of those? You may not even know or remember details about each individual diagnosis, but the ones that we know, we're going to try to see if we can answer it. Now, again, using your three-step strategy, we already know what we're going to be asked to look for. We know what our answer choices are, but before we actually jump into the STEM, usually, again, I like to read the last line or two. So on this one, they say that this person has a decreased FEV1, FEVC ratio, increased residual volume, decreased diffusion capacity, and they have hyperinflation, hypertranslucency of their lower lobes of both lungs. Just with that alone, I already know that this patient has a decreased FEV1, FVC ratio. So in my mind, if I have a good pulmonary foundation, I know this person has obstructive lung disease. So either they have something like asthma, emphysema, COPD. So I can already take out the other answer choices that won't necessarily fit. So I can take out this one, this one. And again, I haven't read anything about who this patient is. Now I see a 39 year old, six month history of shortness of breath, has a smoking history. Look at that for 16 years. I'm already going to go ahead and say that this is emphysema without reading all of these things. Just by going through those details, I already have enough evidence that this person likely has emphysema or COPD much more likely than they have asthma. So if I answer it, cool. As you guys can see, I'm talking this out loud, so it's actually taking me longer than it would me if I was just thinking about this. But again, using the question to guide what I'm going to be looking for in the answers, using the answer choices to then guide what evidence I'll be looking for. And once I have enough evidence, I'm going to go ahead and answer. Now, if you're using the traditional model where you're going through the question stem and then trying your best to answer, but typically we'll have to go back to the question stem to figure out what evidence actually points to your answers. Transitioning to this quicker model where you're going through the question and then the answer choices and then back to the stem is going to require a little bit of transition. Some students may even find that as you're making this transition, you may actually be making more mistakes because in the process of going fast, maybe you missed a piece of the clue in the question stem that you just didn't actually look out for. And so for those students who provide feedback that this approach is too fast or making too many mistakes, usually my response is perfect. Make the mistakes now as you're going through UOLD, as you're going through your NBME practice exams and understand, okay, cool, there's a piece of evidence that I didn't account for that I should look for the next time I see a patient with asthma or emphysema. But it is okay to miss a question on your practice test, on your practice blocks of UOLD and make those mistakes and try to be efficient. And then as you do more and more questions, you already know what piece of evidence to look for. So let's go ahead and do this question. I am going to read the last thing. So it's most likely diagnosis. And I'll probably read the lines before this, but let's see, this looks like a psych question. So I'm dealing with a bunch of answer choices that are frankly are very similar to me when I was a med student, and I didn't really know how to answer these. But let's go ahead and read the last two lines. So this patient says that they only use natural substances. They don't let them essentially get a drug test. I don't have time to wait. So this is going to be a question stem where the last two sentences don't give me the answer right away, but that's okay because now what I'm going to do is just the typical. We have a 33-year-old lady. She's stalking the president for two months. Cool. And she claims that she's married to his twin brother and then just had his twin kidnapped to avoid competition. So it sounds like a lot of delusion going on. She speaks, speaks rapidly. Okay, that's interesting. Difficult to interpret. Associations are loose and she hasn't slept in days. Now that's changing what evidence I'm looking for. Originally, I was looking at delusional disorder, but I'm already starting to find features that this patient may have bipolar and be in a manic state. And she says, God has been instructing me to take over the White House. I can't wait to be reunited with my husband. I hear this voice tell me what to do. Okay, perfect. This is frankly actually a pretty difficult stem. And I think it would have been more difficult if I'd gone from the top to the bottom and then looked at the answer choices because all of them could have been right. But going backwards, I already start to see features of more likely a manic death episode with psychosis than somebody who just has schizophrenia. So I think this is not it. I don't think this patient has a general medical disorder that points to psychosis. And I don't think that it's just delusion. I think this person is talking fast, hasn't left in days. And this brief psychotic disorder, again, wouldn't be the best answer choice. So I'm going to say this patient is in a manic with psychosis. Uh, let's see.
Beautiful. Okay. So again, working backwards to find the clues. And yes, because the test taker is designed to create traps, you will find clues that point to multiple answer choices. But because we're working backwards, we're seeing that there are more answer choices for one of them than the others. And that's how we tend to get more questions right this way. I'll do one more before we get into advanced tips. So for example, here is which of the following nutrition deficiency is most likely. I can already see peripherally that I'm going to be looking at magnesium, vitamin A, B, C, zinc. And then I'm going to read my last line as well. So they say his stools have a large volume and float. Now, in knowing this, again, having a foundation in GI, I know that if you're going to describe stool that floats, you're likely dealing with a fatty content. So in this setting, I'm already thinking about vitamins and nutritions that are fat soluble and not so much water soluble. So for me, I already remember it's ADEK. So I'm going to try to see if there's multiple choices. And actually just looking at that, I already see that the only fat soluble vitamin that I see, and I could be missing something, is just vitamin A. B is water soluble, so C, and so boom. And there you go. Again, this is the answer choice, and this is a question where I can make much more time for difficult questions later in the block because I can easily just use the last two lines literally. And there's nothing in the earlier question stem that I necessarily need to answer this question. Sure, if you wanted to remember dry scaly rash, but I feel like I have enough and so I move forward. So hopefully you guys can start to see how effective and how quick going through the questions, the answer choices, going through those last two lines, and then looking for evidence for your stem really speeds up your process, especially if you're doing this in the new world. Trying to make a habit of this makes you, again, look for those clues. So if you miss a question because you didn't think something was useful and actually ended up being the reason that was the answer choice. So in that example that we just had with our bipolar patient, you can say, I may have missed that they were talking fast and had all the other features of dig fast or the acronym. But because they do, that is the best answer. So next time I answer a site question where bipolar may be an answer choice, I'm going to look for those clues. And if I don't find it, maybe it's not the best answer choice for that question. But again, I'm looking for pattern recognition. Most importantly, thinking like the test maker and not the test taker. Hey friends, hopefully you guys are enjoying today's episode. Shortly we'll get back to all of those tips and tricks, but want to give another shout out to our sponsor of today's episode, Pygmonic. If you're on your medical journey and you're like, man, I really need that one resource that can help me both learn and test the material that I need to know for my classes and my board exams, Pygmonic is a resource you're likely looking for with their combinations of amazing creative videos that can help you retain information not only today, tomorrow, and test day, but so much further on. Pygmonic is that resource and also their combination of quizzes that I absolutely love as well as space repetition. You guys know I'm a huge fan of it. Pygmonic has everything that you likely will need in one combined resource that are constantly adding new material regardless if you're studying for class as a first or second year medical student or if you are trying to learn for something for your rotations or a specific board exam. Pygmonic likely has a playlist of videos and content and quizzes specifically made for you. If you're interested in learning more about how Pygmonic can help you on your medical journey, they'll be linked down below and again you guys can use the code BAMDJOURNEY at checkout to get a super sweet discount thanks to our friend at Pygmonic. Let's get back to the tips for today's episode. Now, finally, to close off the episode, well, I feel like the three-step process is more than enough to get you better grades. Sometimes people still struggle with anxiety and just getting through the actual test blocks. I want to talk about a few things you can do to effectively get through a block, particularly on test day. So first, let's talk about how to effectively mark the question. So let's jump back in and go through some of the questions we haven't done. Now, as you're going through your questions, you know, you're likely obviously going to mark the questions you have no idea about. Maybe this is a biostat question that I just didn't understand what the hell is asking me. But then you also have some questions where you may have been able to narrow it down to one or two answer choices, but you weren't quite confident you move on. But we still have a natural tendency of marking those. Now, where most students go wrong is they'll do all their questions and with whatever time is left, then they'll go back chronologically through all more questions. The problem with that is that if you had a bunch of questions at the very end where you had no idea what you were doing, and then some questions where you fell 50-50 on and they tended to be more towards the start, now you're giving an inappropriate amount of time to those questions where you already feel confident and not giving yourself enough time to answer and earn those points for the questions that were difficult. And so usually what I recommend to students is when you have a question, so let's say question 
option three in this example is to go ahead and on your scratch piece of paper, and you can do this even with your practice U world, is to write down the number of the question that is the most difficult. So maybe three and then a bunch of questions down here. So then my first pass of my flag questions, I'm going to go to those difficult questions first to make sure that if I have an epiphany that I can go ahead and earn those points. So my first time I'm around, I may have not even known what to do with this question, but I see that they say that the mean is 7,500 and approximately 50% will have which of the following? Well, in my head now, I may say, oh, that's easy. It's a mean, so it should be either higher or above. Um, so let me see if there's an example where the answer, yep, answer choice is you know, less than this, it's below the mean, it's perfect. Now I've earned points for a question that didn't make sense. And then I'm gonna do this with all of the other difficult questions that I have on my piece of paper. Once I'm done with that, with whatever time is left, now you can do chronologically the remaining questions that you may have been 50-50 on. Because the nice thing about these is that even if you only have two or three minutes left, ideally you've already marked away the answer choices you don't think are appropriate. So now you're just thinking about, is this Canada, is this trick or something else? And then you can go back to that three-step process to look for evidence that may point to one versus the other. So this person has white discharge, so that's why Canada was a more likely option. Next up, we have to talk about the benefit of getting into an earning point mindset. I know, particularly when I was taking step one, after four blocks, I felt like I was doing terrible. I literally looked myself in the mirror in the bathroom that was there and said, like, you got this. Like, you really just need to go one question at a time because all of them are going to be hard from this point. You're tired, you're overwhelmed. And so really, one of the best things that I did for myself at that point, and I recommend this to you, is as you're doing a question, if you really know the answer, let's say this question, I had no idea what time to answer it. But this one, like we answered already, I felt pretty confident. When you have questions that you feel confident of the answer, even if you end up being wrong. Use that as like, perfect, got a point there. And then as we came here and we answer this question later, boy, beautiful, got another point. Now you're in a momentum state versus you may come to a question like this and saying, or, you know, one of these and saying, I have no idea how to answer this. I don't even know what the hell they're asking me. Most students will get caught up on not knowing how to answer this question and less so focused on the questions where they have earned points. It seems like a small difference, but the student who focuses on the questions they don't know may come to a question like this and not know the answer, which is fine. I may not either, but then may come to an easier question like this and still get a wrong because they're perseverating on how difficult the last few questions were. This is particularly important, especially if a block just gets stacked with questions the first 10, 15 that are just hard for you. Maybe the last 25 ended up being stuff that you could do, but if you get focused too much on the first 10 to 15 that were difficult, you won't be able to answer the questions later on that are really meant for you. So make sure you look at every pitch. Some of the pitches are going to be difficult and you can just try your best to swing at them, but some are going to be just be easy and you can knock them out of the park, but you have to be focused on still hitting them. And the last thing I want to talk about is just efficiency. Now, ideally using the three-step method, you're already answering questions quickly comparatively to what you were before. Obviously, if you're using UWorld, you'll be able to see how long it took you to answer an average question and then use that as your average. So if it takes you about two minutes to answer a question to improve your efficiency and to improve more time where you can actually do all the questions, but also come back. One thing I recommend is to cut down your time, average time per question by 25%. So if it took you two minutes saying, perfect, I'm going to try to do every question within a minute 30, a minute 40. Maybe have a timer on your phone going as you're doing your practice UWorld to practice your MBMEs because now that extra time will be added to the reviews that you'll be doing for your flagged questions. Ideally, using the three-step method, you may be able to come to a question like this and saying, cool, that only took me like 30 seconds, which again is a minute that you can be using for another hard question. This is the efficiency tool that's made all of my setting for all my board exams, step one, step two, step three, so much more effective. And I rarely have come to an end of a block where I don't have any time left. Again, using that three-step process really helps with this, but having a mental timer, and if you need using your phone as a visual timer, will force you to move along and not start getting perseverated on small details.
Now, if you found this episode helpful and you're interested in more, definitely check out the Step 1 Academy to get a step-by-step blueprint on how to get the highest Step 1 score and pass with confidence. But if you did enjoy this episode, you'll probably enjoy this episode right here on how to create a Step 1 schedule step-by-step, as well as this episode right here on everything that I used to do in medical school to get a 3.9 GPA. As always, my friends, hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for being a part of my journey. Hopefully, I was a little help to you guys on yours, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Hey friends, hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you did enjoy it, I want to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and definitely consider hitting that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast listening platform. And if you want a little bit of extra bounty points, then we'd love it if you leave an honest review on iTunes to help the channel and the mission of the MD journey grow. And also, by the way, if you're interested in getting that unfair advantage in medical school and avoiding the most common mistakes that myself and other medical students have made, definitely check out our most popular programs we have for you here at the MD journey, including the med school domination bundle, as well as our personalized one-on-one coaching programs, which will be linked down below. But as always, friends, thank you for joining me on my journey. Hopefully that was a little help to you guys on yours. I'll see you guys in the next one. Take care, my friends.